Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals. I'm very happy to have you all back with me for another episode, and I know you're going to love the chat that I have lined up for you today. Today, we're talking to Dr. Kozlowski, or Dr. Koz, as he prefers to be called. We're going to look at hormones and detox and whatever else might pop up. So Dr. Koz is a functional medicine practitioner based out of Chicago, Illinois, and he has trained with other well-known leaders in his field that many of you will recognize, like Dr. Mark Hyman and Dr. Deepak Chopra. Dr. Koz specializes in many areas of health, including gut health, hormones, detoxification, and even trauma and has worked with hundreds of clients over the last 12 years in his career. And Dr. Cause also has a new book coming out in October titled Get the Funk Out, Balance Your Hormones and Detox, which is a really interesting name. So I will have you explain where you came up with these names. But please, um, everyone, welcome Dr. Cause. It's lovely to have you here with us. So do you want to tell us what got you into health and everything? Like people always ask yeah. your story, but I just want to know why. Why did you get into all of this? Yeah, um, no, it's an honor to be here. And I'm, I'm excited to to talk with you and, and uh, share some of my experience. But um, it, I'll try to keep it short with my history. But um, my parents are both doctors. Um, they're both immigrants from Poland. Um, so I was born in America, first generation. I learned to speak Polish before I learned to speak English. Um, when I was young, I wanted to be a doctor like my parents, but I like to go out and party and I didn't like going to class on Friday mornings. Um, so I got a degree in economics in, in college. And when I was a senior, my best friend was diagnosed with lupus and passed away three months um, after her diagnosis, along with one week after we graduated. So that's what kind of flipped me to go back into or to like be like, wow, maybe I should have been a doctor because I couldn't help her at all. Um, and so I went I ended up going back to school like um, to do all the sciences, take the MCAT, go to med school. And I was going to be just a regular family practice doctor. And then I was just randomly introduced to functional medicine. Um, there was a doctor we worked with who would start every patient we admitted to the hospital on a multivitamin and vitamin D. And we thought it was a joke. We always used to make fun of him. Why aren't we prescribing medications? And I talked to him one day and he was like, hey, I'm studying functional medicine. Um, my own story is I had just come, when I had that conversation with him, I had just taken a six week leave to get treatment for alcohol abuse. So I'm a recovering alcoholic and I went to like a, a partial inpatient treatment to get help. And that opened my, eye, uh, my eyes to like alternative modalities. When I was in treatment, we were doing acupuncture and exercise and meditation and all this stuff uh, that I didn't really think did anything uh, coming from a traditional background. Um, but that opened my eyes, uh, you know, my own health journey. And then I, uh, started going to functional medicine conferences and everything just made sense. Um, everything was taught from like a physiology, a biological level, um, anatomy. Um, so I couldn't really argue with any of it. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I guess my goal getting into medicine was to help people with unexplained, uh, diseases like my friend had, um, and I've been able to help lots of people um, put something like lupus into remission. So um, been very lucky and blessed to do that. But that's that's kind of my brief story of how I got into functional medicine. Um, and the whole point of functional medicine is to figure out the why, right? Instead of focusing on like, oh, I'm tired, you know, here, take this to have more energy. It's why am I tired and how can I identify that and fix that? Um, so it's very different than I was trained as a regular doctor, um, but I think it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, so there's more of a focus on the whole 
it's so cliche with the root cause what is going on like why is this happening like really why is this happening it's one thing to say you're tired or sore all the time but why are you tired and sore so firstly condolences about your friend that is unfortunate that you weren't in a position to help her at that stage but you obviously experienced a lot of benefit yourself from going through the alcoholism treatment. Like you mentioned, they had multi, uh, multiple tools to try and introduce you to. And that obviously was a driver towards you're like, hey, there's more than just pharmaceuticals or diagnoses to fixing and helping people, really. Absolutely. Um, so you had... Uh... You had great success with your first book, which hopefully we'll chat about another time. But now I'm speaking to you because there's some there's a problem right now. And it could be because it's been exacerbated over the last couple of years with the whole COVID and the lockdown and all. A lot of people having hormone issues now, adrenal, thyroid, sex hormones, loss of libido, all of that. So that's what your new book is about. Do you yeah. want to tell us, tell me, why did you then transition into hormones? Like, why is that where your focus is right now? So in functional medicine, I always like to keep things very simple. There there are five main areas that I work with people, and they are food, gut health, hormones, environmental toxins, and mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And so those are the basic five areas where I'm doing testing and usually where we find imbalances that are underlying why someone's sick, right? And my first book, Unfunk Your Gut, was about diet, gut, and mental, emotional, spiritual health. So I really enjoy teaching. So that left me with hormones and toxins um, as, as the other things to explain functional medicine. And I think it's written towards practitioners. Um, and also to patients, obviously. Um, but I think the biggest thing I see, because I also train, I also teach doctors with IF that are training in IFM right now, is it's it's very hard for a traditional doctor to switch their practice to like you go to these conferences, you learn all this stuff, and then you get to your office on Monday morning and it's like, what do you do? Um, so that's from the practitioner side, from the patient side, it's like well, I have all these symptoms of thyroid disease, but my doctor will only test my TSH. Um, And, you know, so I just think there's a lot of room for improvement and for a non-biased opinion that doesn't just come from the pharmaceutical industry and doesn't just come from like trying to sell supplements either. Um, It, so I guess the main reason I wrote about hormones is because that is a a major piece. I, I personally uh, have or had low testosterone. Um, I'd say somewhere between 75 to hundred percent of women that come to my practice that are pre-menopausal, um, have estrogen dominance. Thyroid disease is the most common, uh, autoimmune disease there is. Adrenal glands are, are stress glands. And I'm a believer that that's the most important part of health. Um, there's also the pancreas and blood sugar. And really at the end of the day, the more research that comes out about the people that had problems with COVID for the most part, it's blood sugar issues. And it's not, that's just people that were diagnosed with diabetes or high blood sugar, but there's also pre pre diabetes, which I explain in the book that a lot of people that also probably suffered from COVID, um, had pre pre diabetes and didn't even know it. Um, and then in writing about hormones, you know, people always want to know why, well, why are our hormones so screwed up? Why do men have low T? Why do women have estrogen dominance? Why does everybody have thyroid disease? I believe it's because of our environment. Um, I believe it's because of the toxins that we're being exposed to. Um, and we can get all into detox. And I do in my book, I have a whole chapter on what detox is. Um, and then the, the main toxins that I work with, which are heavy metals, lead and mercury, probably being the two most common and famous, mold. Um, And then there's all the other non-metal toxins like glyphosate, the main component of Roundup. There's what's in your uh, hair products, your skin products, your sunscreen, 
what your kid's baby bottle is made out of, the toys that you play with. Um, there's all these chemicals and there's more and more chemicals being introduced into our environment. And when these chemicals get into our body, they destroy our cells and their favorite place to destroy is our hormone glands. They love to sit in your thyroid. They love to sit in your adrenal glands, your testes, your ovaries. Um, so there, there's, in my opinion, a connection between the two. Um, why are people so hormonally imbalanced now? I believe it's mostly because of the toxic environment that we live in. You said something just there that gave me an aha moment. And like, we know this stuff, but we don't know it until someone says it. And usually what I like to do with my clients is to translate stuff in an easily digestible way that they can go, oh, okay, like something really simple. And you just said, we all have thyroid issues, but what's the one common denominator? is the environment because you can't say, well, everyone eats apples or everyone stays up late or everyone drinks alcohol because they don't. The one common denominator is going to be our environment and our environment has been changing, maybe not so in a positive way over the last couple of decades, which is obviously affecting us on every level. So if we go just back a bit, what are the most common hormone imbalances that you see? Number one is definitely thyroid. And it's usually low thyroid. Um, and usually that's an autoimmune condition, which is called Hashimoto's, which basically means that the immune system has identified your thyroid gland as an invader and it wants to get rid of it. And it's so the immune system is attacking the thyroid because it sees it as an invader. Why would your thyroid all of a sudden one day look like an invader? Well, what if it was full of toxins, right? What if it's full of glyphosate and lead and mercury um, and all this stuff? Well, then wouldn't your immune system be doing the right thing by trying to get rid of it? In my opinion, yes. Um, so thyroid disease, and, and there's people with low thyroid that don't have Hashimoto's and it's still uh, not functioning properly. So I would say thyroid disease. I don't see it very often, but I'd say the biggest problem in North America is blood sugar issues, right? Um, you know, with our poor diets, um, it most people are having too much insulin, too much, too much sugar, which leads to too much insulin. And then the insulin stops working. So then you make more and then all the sugar gets stored in all your cells. So really probably the biggest hormonal issue we have is blood sugar issues. But most patients that come to me have usually cleaned up their diet or they're not, um, you know, that that's not who I work with mostly. Mm -hmm. um, and then in female, you know, when it comes adrenal glands, I personally think we all, you know, that's another one where, we all have some degree of adrenal fatigue. Um, adrenal fatigue is broken up into stages, one, two, and three. Some people call it four stages. Um, it's basically the difference is, is like, there's a short-term stress, like, uh, you know, um, what am I going to eat for dinner tonight? Versus like, uh, I was not loved as a child and I have all this trauma and I'm carrying all of that and chronic kind of issues. And so there's cortisol imbalances. When the cortisol is imbalanced, that leads to blood sugar imbalances. And then mm -hmm. your blood sugar gets imbalanced and then you're more susceptible to like COVID. Um, so all of it's connected. With women, estrogen dominance, like I said, is the most common thing I see. With men, low testosterone. Um, in general, you know, usually it's a little bit of everything. You know, mm -hmm. a woman might come to me and, and she looks totally like estrogen dominance is her main issue. But then we test her thyroid and the thyroid's not working that well. And if the thyroid's not working well, then your female hormones aren't going to work well either. So sometimes you have to start with the thyroid in order to balance out the reproductive hormones. Mm. Um, so those are kind of some of the main issues I, I see are thyroid, adrenal glands, not so much blood sugar, even though that's the most common one. Um, and then with men, testosterone and women, uh, estrogen, progesterone. Mm. Well, it, it really is, like you said there, you might see estrogen dominance, but then something else is off the thyroid, the gallbladder, cholesterol, because as much as people, I've said this on other interviews, as much as people would like a diagnosis that it's just one thing, 
it's never it's your body never. is a whole system you it, you really can't have one thing without another thing right. and you mentioned blood sugars and I was like oh my gosh nearly everybody I see has blood sugar issues nearly like everyone um, I see a lot of low progesterone and then uh, of course I see a lot of low libido so low mm -hmm. progesterone, low libido, adrenal, and so on. So can you speak a little bit more on the whole, because this is a big topic with my people, adrenals, cortisol, why are they feeling crap, basically? Why are they feeling this way? What happens? For me, it usually starts as trauma. Um, and I define trauma as trauma as anything less than nurturing. Um, so it could be as simple as when you're five years old, your parents don't pay enough attention to you. And that sets off a signal of I'm not good enough. And cortisol is released when we're in fight or flight response, right? That's the sympathetic nervous response. And we're feeling like we're in a life or death situation. And that was, you know, we have our sympathetic nervous system and our parasympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic is fight or flight. Parasympathetic is rest and digest. And that's how we've survived through evolution is, is that sometimes we turn on fight or flight and sometimes we turn on rest and digest. People nowadays are living in fight or flight 24 seven, right? Mm -hmm. We wake up and the first thing we do is check our phone, check our emails, check texts, check the breaking news, social media. And right away, we've gotten up, we haven't even eaten, and the mind is telling the gut, we don't need you today, right? And cortisol is being released. Cortisol is one of the two hormones that you don't want too much of. The other one is insulin. Um, and when cortisol is being released, um, it screws up our blood sugar. It suppresses our immune system. Um, you don't digest as well. You don't, your immune system isn't functioning as well. You can't get a good night's sleep. If you can't get a good night's sleep, then everything is screwed up. So, so I'm, I just want to stop you. What do you mean the mind tells the gut, hey, I don't need you today? So there's the gut brain connection. Um, and so your gut tube, and this is all uh, described in my first book, Unfunk Your Gut, if anyone's curious, but your gut is a tube that starts with the mouth and ends with the anus. There's openings on both ends. And that tube is surrounded by a nervous system called the enteric nervous system. That nervous system has more neurons than your brain does. That nervous system that surrounds your gut and influences how you poop, how you digest, etc., is connected to your brain by something called the vagus nerve. So we have 12 cranial nerves, which are nerves that run all through your uh, head and brain. And some of them go to the body. Num cranial nerve number 10 is called your vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is basically a highway of information. It carries signals from the brain to the gut, and it carries signals from the gut to the brain. That vagus nerve runs on your autonomic nervous system, which means automatic. So you don't think about it. When your mind thinks you're in a fight or flight situation, like you wake up and you're reading the news and you're like, holy cow, everything's so screwed up. That shuts down a sig, that sends a signal to your heart to, hey, we're in survival mode. So we need lots of blood flow. You need to be pumping. All the energy needs to go to your muscles and brain. So you survive, right? What that also, what that tells the gut is, hey, don't waste any energy on digesting right now, right? Because if you're in a, if you're running from a lion or a bear or something, you don't want to be expending energy to digest food, right? Yeah. You want to be expending energy to survive. And so that's what I mean. There, there's literally a signal that the brain sends to the gut that either turns it on and it's like, Hey, we're in a relaxed state. Let's digest our food or we're, in a life or death situation and we need to survive. So we're not going to make stomach acid. We're not going to digest. Our gut's going to get leaky. Our microbiome is going to be affected. Um, so the mind can do all of that to the gut. So correct me if I'm wrong. Basically what you're saying is if I wake up in the morning, which I have done several times and I know I shouldn't, but you know, sometimes you forget to schedule a post or whatever. So I go on my phone 
immediately my brain goes alarms alarms like it's gonna be a stressful day so that sends off a big alarm throughout my body that says let's go let's survive but hey digestion is not part of survival and neither is reproduction if we're going to go there but that and neither is detox yeah and that's going to affect as well people who are listening because i know i I try to connect the dots for my people that's going to affect your bile production stomach acid enzymes what we know goes wrong when you start messing with bile we've got gallbladder and liver and pancreas issues and then we've got cholesterol and triglycerides but i'm saying that specifically because i know a couple of my followers right now are dealing with gallbladder and digestive issues so i really want them and me to be reminded why we shouldn't be looking at our phone first thing in the morning even though it's hard like it is hard we're only human and we have businesses to run and like kids to get to school like shit did i forget it was audition day for little johnny let me check my emails like just stuff happens but maybe the majority of the time we can say let's not do this until an hour later or whatever yeah one of the best things i heard at a retreat i was at is like your day should be basically wake up pee and meditate you know that that's not how i start my day usually being honest um but that so yeah that's not how most people start their days i mean it would be nice but most people are saying Oh yeah, that'd be lovely, but I don't have time for that. Like you don't have time, no matter how early you get up, you just never have enough time. Um, So that's why I will try to say to my clients, you know what, if you don't think you've time for meditation, why don't you do walking meditation instead? Go out for a walk and get some fresh air instead. So back to what we were saying about this whole adrenal issue, If you're just looking at your phone first thing in the morning and you're starting off this kind of spiral of anxiety and cortisol, eventually, if that continues on, that's going to crush your adrenals. Am I correct? Like there's only so much they can take. Yeah, it's kind of amazing how resilient they are. I mean, you'll meet people that, you know, have been through so much and they're you test their cortisol and it's still okay, but um, that's kind of when you hit stage three or some people call it stage four of adrenal fatigue is when your adrenals kind of just are done. You know, they, they've been working so hard, um, making all this cortisol that they're kind of just like, we, we can't handle anymore. It's kind of like for someone that their pancreas stops working, they stop making insulin or the thyroid stops working. Same thing as people, eventually your, your adrenal glands have had enough, um, what are the and it presents in different that? ways. Yeah. I mean, it could be extreme fatigue. That's probably the most common sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be presenting as anything. I mean, it could shut down your thyroid production. It could present as a low thyroid. It could uh, present as migraines or headaches or just a lot of anxiety or irritability or fighting with a uh, spouse or work, um, not getting a restful night's sleep, always feeling tired, even if you're sleeping. So, um, a lot of the the interesting thing to me with hormones, whether you're talking about a low thyroid or you're talking adrenal glands or you're talking uh, low progesterone, estrogen dominance, the symptoms can be the same. So that's what I always warn my patients is like, you know, you really sound like somebody with low thyroid because you have fatigue, you have thinning hair, you have dry skin, but there's a chance once we get done testing all your hormones that maybe it's just your adrenal glands. Or maybe it's just your estrogen progesterone, or maybe it's a little bit of all of it. So it, it's hard, I mean, with uh, without testing to really diagnose it, because the symptoms can really kind of overlap, like a low thyroid could present as just irregular periods or, you know, so it's the symptoms can over really do overlap with the different hormonal imbalances. And so when I really suspect someone has hormonal imbalances, I like to do a lot of testing. Um, And that's one of the things I did in my book is uh, I provided a lot of charts that have what labs I would order and then also how to interpret the labs, because I can't tell you how many people I've worked with that have every symptom of a low thyroid and they've been going to their doctor year after year. And the only test that the doctor will do is their TSH levels. And uh, we can talk about the problem with that. I go into it very thoroughly, but to me, a problem, you know, the, 
a low a TSH is not enough. We need to look at free T4 levels. We need to look at free T3 levels, thyroid antibodies. Some people look at reverse T3. But when I do a full panel right away, I see that they're low thyroid. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, they are kind of devastated because they're like, well, I've been going to my doctor for seven years and they keep saying that my TSH is fine. Well, all TSH is, is a signal from the brain to the thyroid to make thyroid hormone. So the way the analogy I really like is it's like the heat in your house. And so you, your thermostat is your pituitary gland and your thyroid is the heater. And so your thermostat sets a temperature, right? Let's say it's 70 degrees. And if the temperature drops below that, the thermostat sends a signal to the heater to turn it on. Well, Mm. when you're brain detects that your thyroid level is too low, it sends a signal from the brain to the thyroid to turn it back on, just like the thyroid. That's TSH. That's the signal. And so regular medicine, they assume that if your TSH is high, that your thyroid is low, right? Because there's a lot of signal being released and the thyroid's not keeping up. I've worked with so many people that have a normal TSH, but then their T4 or their T3 is low or just the ranges, you know, the ranges when you start really looking at labs and I try to get into that in the book is, is looking at, you know, teaching people and physicians how to interpret ranges is the someone let's, let's just use a generic, like your normal T4 level is one to three, right? And so anywhere between there is normal. Well, I'll test someone and their TSH is normal and their T4 in this example, let's say it's 1.01. So it's 0.01 points in the normal range. So most doctors will look at that and be like, oh, you're fine. Yeah. Well, how could that be normal if you have every symptom of low thyroid, right? So I don't, those ranges, I think sometimes they they need to be looked at in the context of the person's symptoms, right? And mm-hmm. we can't, we don't all feel the same at the same level of testosterone or estrogen or progesterone or thyroid. So I I really like to work with people and look and explain to them the ranges. And I use some examples of patients I worked with and showing what we did and how we um, looked at that stuff. But that's just an example of thyroid and, and how, you know, easy the diagnosis is missed and somehow, uh, you know, how easy it can be to diagnose it properly just with using the right kind of testing. Yeah. It's really common. And I will go over clients pathology numbers a lot. And even what you said, just because you're within the range, we don't necessarily want you on the low end of the range and you're cold all the time and your hair's falling out like with mid to higher end is usually ideal but it's unfortunate that so many of these um conventional practitioners not all of them but a lot of them are still going by the old books yeah and kind of not broadening the idea well why does this patient keep coming back even though i told them they don't have a problem but they keep coming back well then obviously there is a problem if they keep coming back so it's just unfortunate the way it's been mismatched the health industry is mismatched in my opinion it just it doesn't work with the symptom picture like you said and it doesn't work with the pathology there's no well, I suppose that's where functional medicine comes in, where you actually sit with the person and talk to them rather than even, I mean, yeah, I'm a health professional. I know if I'm going to my doctor, I'm only going there for a specific thing. I probably have five minutes with her. I'm obviously more educated than the average person. So I'm going in asking, well, I need this. And can you get me this? Like I know, and that's me. And I have five minutes with her people that have no idea what's going on, they're not getting a sit down. It's very different than in Europe. I don't know if you've been to Europe a lot. It's very different. In Ireland, my doctor, he knew everything about me. Like he knew me. And then when I started having children, I was more comfortable transitioning to a female doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knew everything they they would ask my story they would in Ireland you'll get allocated at least 30 minutes with your doctor and she'd ask me how is everything going and 
like she, they really got to know you. But since living in, I'm in Alberta now, and we've been here like nine years, it really is wham bam thank you ma'am like in out and it's like shocking that I'm I for me and I'm sure for other Europeans it's like like I'm not even bothered what's the point just give me the requisition like it's, it's disheartening to people you can see where it is yeah it's it's you know there's there's greater problems in our healthcare systems I mean I just uh, saw an article that they're more and more concerned about the rates of physician suicide um and because, you know, you go into medicine wanting to help people, right? And it, that's where, um, you know, my own personal belief, you know, because most people that come to me usually hate their doctors. They're usually, they don't have very nice things to say. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, most people that are doctors went into it to help people, but then you get stuck in the system where it's like, you you have these codes you constantly have to be putting in. If you don't meet a certain number of patients a day, there's not enough doctors. So then you're seeing twice as many patients as you should. Um, so I, and then I personally believe that like medical school and residency are just kind of like one long brainwashing by the pharmaceutical industry. Um, I think it's like almost like a cult basically of like just telling you how to spew out medicines. And when one medicine doesn't work and use the next one, that's why I started training in functional medicine. I was so intrigued. I was like, wait a minute, there's something else you can do for thyroid, or you can actually look at why someone got lupus. Like it, you know, none of that was ever discussed. Um, yeah. It's just like, okay, you have 50 patients to see today. These, you know, if they keep coming back to you, telling you they have a low thyroid, but their TSH is normal, here's the newest antidepressant, right? And when that antidepressant, when they come back saying that that one's not working, then give them the second antidepressant, you know, and, and yeah. we went through the whole opiate um, crisis, which is still really bad, but it was like, all right, well, you have pain here, take these opiates. Um, and then all of a sudden one day, you know, you're cut off from them and now your body's physically addicted. So then you're on the street trying to get heroin. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many people I've met in treatment or working with people in recovery that it's like, well, my doctor started me on pain pills because of a car accident. And next thing you know, I'm buying heroin on the street because my doctor won't prescribe the pain pills that they got me hooked on. Um, so it it's, you know, that's, that's, you know, again, part of the reason I've written my two books is because sometimes also functional medicine doctors can be expensive. It can, you know, it's not everybody can, can afford to see a functional medicine doctor. Well, um, I think my books are a very good explanation of what functional medicine is. And the feedback I got from the first book on gut health is either people got better just through reading it and following the steps, which is the same thing that'll happen with the hormones. Or they're like, well, I just felt way more educated going into my doctor. I knew what tests, like you said, what tests to ask for. And then, you know, it, it's hard for the doctor, but I, you know, you also learn how to interpret them yourself and what to look for that a lot of times your doctor's overlooking. Um, so that's one of the things I've tried to do because there are so many things that someone can do on their own without needing a functional medicine doctor. Um, sometimes you, I, I mean, I'm very a believer in testing. So I like to do stool tests. I like to do SIBO tests and organic acids tests and candida and, and heavy metals and mold and glyphosate. And I really like to use testing and that's a, a limit for, you know, you know, you do need a doctor usually for that. Um, but you know, there's just, I, I, I feel for the doctors and I feel for the patients having been on both sides of it and seeing it. And, you know, it's, it's not, you know, the current system, unfortunately is really, really broken. Um, and it, you know, I'm just trying to do my part to help whoever I can. And by getting this information out there, um, that I've been very lucky to learn and, and help people with for uh, a little over 10 years now. You're right. It is broken in in a heartbreaking way because it's affecting families. Like you mentioned, they'll keep prescribing. Oh, if this is not working, let's give you antidepressants. And unfortunately, someone in my family was prescribed benzodiazepines at a very young age, like 18. And then he became addicted. And then that wasn't strong enough. So then it was cocaine. And then it was alcohol 
And unfortunately, that person now is only like 25 and an alcoholic. I mean, what a way to ruin someone's life. And I know it's not intentional, but it, it, it really, more people need to know, like you said, whoa, hold on, there is another way. There's a more natural way. And your book, The Good Health One, is great for that. I hope all of my followers get it because like I said to you, I've been in the health industry for almost 15 years and there was a couple of things in that and I was like, oh, no way. I thought I knew it like a lot. And it was really like, and it was the most simple things, which again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but like the bicarbonate of soda one was like, I knew to use bicarbonate of soda with some people. But when you said the belching thing, I was like, that's genius. That's so <laughs> simple. It's non invasive. People yeah. can do that at home. Yep. So that really was a, like something that simple that people, like you said, not everyone can afford to hire functional practitioners or yeah. naturopaths or even someone like myself. So to say to someone, hey, like get yourself a $2 bag of bicarbonate and this is what you can, I'd hate to say self-diagnose, but this is what you can learn yeah. Yeah. from it. So like the that was really awesome. And that leads us into the next thing about all these different pharmaceuticals and drugs and whatnot. People don't often talk about the impact or the link between hormones and drugs, which technically are toxins. So can you discuss that a bit? What sort of toxins are we generally encountering that are going to affect our hormones? And even how are these pharmaceuticals that people think are helping them are affecting their hormones? Yeah, I, I, in the introduction of, of the, the new book, Get the Funk Out, um, what I do is use my wife as an example, but her daily routine. And just to explain how many toxins you're exposed to just from doing your normal stuff. Right. So the main ones, when I talk about toxins that I test for are lead and mercury, like I said, mold, um, and then kind of all this other stuff. So an example is like, let's say you go to bed, right. And there, and so that's when it starts and sleep should be when you're detoxing, like you're, you're basically your body, your immune system, um, everything in your liver are restoring while you sleep. Right. But let's say you're sleeping and on the other side of the wall is your Wi-Fi router, right? And then they just put a 5G tower down the street next to all the electric lines that are, are right by your house, right? So then mm -hmm. there's all these EMFs, right? E electromagnetic fields that are known uh, cancer causing, even the World Health Organization acknowledges that, but they're still putting it everywhere. So you're getting all these EMFs while you're sleeping. And then you've got mold in your house. So you're breathing in all these toxins, right? And then you wake up and breakfast is a smoothie, right? And so you have this smoothie and you're putting powders in there that are full of chemicals. You've got greens that are full of herbicides, pesticides, strawberries, all the stuff they spray on our food. Um, and then you're playing with your dogs and the dog toys made of plastic and you're touching all that plastic. And then you're making water from your drinking water that has lead in it. And then you go outside to take a walk, but there's airplanes flying by. So you're breathing in more lead. Um, and then you go shower and you're breathing in chlorine and other things in your shower water. And then you start putting on your makeup and, and all the chemicals that are going onto your face. So it's literally just a nonstop assault. All this stuff that they've created to make our lives easier they never tested how all of it would affect our health, right? Like we have all this stuff that makes our lives more convenient, but also chronic disease and all these random diseases are skyrocketing, right? Mm -hmm. So, and they are really damaging our hormones. And that's why you're seeing so much of the low testosterone and estrogen dominance. Um, but the most common, like when it comes to toxins, lead and mercury, by far and away, I, I'd say are the, the most common ones that I find in people. Um, the absorption of toxins starts before you're even born. So if mom is carrying a bunch of toxins, they cross the placenta. The placenta should be a place where you're transferring nutrients to the baby. Well, if your body's full of toxins, you're also transferring toxins, right? Um, 
and then you're born via C-section, so you don't get a microbiome from a vaginal birth, and then they give you antibiotics. And then there's mercury in your baby food. You start eating fish, more mercury, then you get vaccinated. There's more mercury there. Lead, it was in the paint of walls. It's in pipes used to be made out of it. Um, it's in the just the air we breathe from airplane exhaust. So all this stuff is constantly coming in, right? And our bodies try to keep those toxins out. They they try to keep it out through our skin is a barrier. Your gut should be a barrier. Your lungs should be a barrier. Then let's say you're smoking, you damage all of the alveoli in your lungs. So now you've lost the barrier of your lungs. Um, your gut is leaky because you've taken antibiotics. You've been eating lots of sugar and, and the standard processed diet. So now the toxins are flooding in through your gut as well. And then your skin is damaged because uh, you're not sleeping enough and you're not getting enough nutrition. So the toxins get in through the skin. Luckily for us, when all that stuff crosses into our body, the bloodstream takes it to the liver. Right. So our liver is our main organ that everything goes to first. And our liver is known as kind of our main detox organ. All these toxins, whether I talk about glyphosate or lead or mold or mercury or the stuff that's in your sunscreen, they are fat soluble. So what that means is when we absorb them through our lungs, skin, et cetera, we will store them in our tissues and that favorite place is the hormone glands. Well, what the liver does is go through a two-step process called phase one and phase two, which makes the toxins water-soluble. When they're water-soluble, you can pee, poop, and sweat them out. That is how you detox. Your, your liver uses all these different nutrients, which I have some really cool photos and charts in uh, the book that it describe what nutrients, how much of them you need, et cetera, to, for phase one and phase two of detox to work. So you need nutrients for that to work. We all have a limited ability of detox. What that means is let's say in an average day, I can get rid of a hundred toxins. Um, and on an average day, I'm exposed to 50. So I'm fine. My body can detox. So that's, you can get rid of a hundred for you in an optimal state with detoxification pathways that are working. So just want exactly. to elaborate that yeah. so people don't think, well, on average, the human body is a hundred. No, no, no. In a healthy body, it's right. hundreds. Right. And let's say though, all of a sudden then like on the weekend, I'm binge drinking, I'm smoking cigarettes and I'm living in a place that has mold, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm eating a bunch of fast food full of toxins. So now I'm being exposed to a thousand toxins a day. And then it doesn't really matter what else I'm doing. My body can only get rid of a hundred. So 900 will get built up and they will build and they will build. And eventually that will present as disease. And I think the hardest part about working with toxins or working with gut health is people don't get symptoms. So if you have a bunch of lead built up in your body usually you're not going to have symptoms. Like it usually will present as high blood pressure or dementia or uh, diabetes or Hashimoto's. So it's already kind of too late once you know that those toxins are too high. And that's where, I, to me, if I could just do one screening test for people, I would start heavy metal testing from the age of like three and I would do it every couple of years. And instead of most of the useless stuff that your regular doctor orders, that's what I would be doing. I would every year, every three years, I would be doing a, a stool test to look at your microbiome. And I would be doing toxin testing. I would look at glyphosate levels because that's the stuff that leads to disease. And the part that traditional doctors really struggle with is let's say there's not a correlation with how high are your toxins compared to what is your disease? So using like a simple analogy, I could take someone with a lead level of 10 and they have autoimmune disease. I could take somebody with a lead level of 50 and they don't have anything yet. We're all very different and different levels affect us differently. And that's where the whole point of functional medicine is to be very individualized. So you really need to talk to the person, compare 
talking to them and their history to their lab results. At the end of the day, no matter what they say, like the government, the EPA and all them, they put out normal levels of toxins. What is a normal level of glyphosate okay in our body? What is a normal level of lead okay in our body? The answer is zero. We shouldn't have any of that stuff in our bodies. There's just so much of it that they're trying to tell people it's okay and that this is a normal level. That, that No, we weren't designed that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a hard part is, is that, you know, for most people, it presents too late. You know, it's, it's usually, I mean, my practice should be 99.9% preventative medicine. It should be, hey, I'm healthy. I have no symptoms at all. How do I stay healthy? 99.9 of my practice is I've been diagnosed with lupus. I've tried the first three drugs that the rheumatologist gave me. Now I'm out of options besides this drug that may kill me. Um, and please save me and turn everything around in the next two weeks. Um, and that's what the majority of my practice is. And, and I get it. Like, it's just like uh, dealing with alcoholism. Like you don't really ask for help till it's too late. Right. Right. Um, most of us, we won't change until like, you know, we have to. And so that's why I'm seeing people that are desperate. You know, they've gotten these horrible diagnoses, all these meds. And they're like, well, now I'm finally ready to clean up my diet. And, you know, and, and that's the hard part. I mean, I get, you know, change is not easy and most people don't want to do it. But for your listeners, like functional medicine, you, you should be getting started before you're sick. And mm-hmm. You know, luckily we've we've been very lucky to have success with all types of different conditions and help reverse things. But at that point, it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, the hole is deeper at that stage. I'm lucky. I do get a lot of people that will hire me because they're already healthy. Yeah. I mean, what they think is healthy and what I think is healthy is different. But generally, they're in a good position and they just hire me to optimize what's going on and as a prophylactic or preventative measure but then there's a lot of people is like oh well I got this diagnosis I got this diagnosis and I'm like oh my god so of course I'm going to help them but it really is like I wish you had it came to me sooner because now the hole is bigger and it's going to be harder to get out of and this is my podcast so I can say this but sometimes I think not enough people really, really care about their health. They're not taking responsibility. And I'm known for being harsh with people because I think being fluffy with people, you might agree or you might not agree, but being fluffy has not got us anywhere. We're sicker than ever. And people really need a wake up call. Like it's your health. Yes, I'm here to help you, but I can't, I can't live with you. I can't be there every minute. You have to take responsibility, but you have to take this seriously because as health practitioners, we can speak to someone and we can see, oh shit, I know where this is going if they don't get a hold on this, but the person might not, they might be in the frame. Oh, I just got diagnosed with diabetes, but they don't see the long term that blindness, the gout, the kidney transplants, they don't see that, whereas we would. So we're like, oh no, but um, of course we're going to help everyone. But I really have said this loads. I don't think enough people take it serious enough. Yeah. And it, because it's work, it's a lot of work, right? And, and it is, that- it's hard. It is hard. And I, I will always say that it's hard, but I wanted to ask you as you were speaking, what's your opinion on aluminum or you call it aluminum, aluminum. <laughs> Remember I was saying that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't seen too much toxicity from it the way I see lead and mercury, um, cesium, thallium. Um, but it's a heavy metal that if too much of can become a problem. And like uh, a lot of us, a a big way we're exposed is from our deodorant um, that they put it in there. Um, So when I do a heavy metal test, which is a urine test, we test aluminum levels. We test cesium, thallium, uranium, um, all these different lead, mercury. Um, So we test for it. I don't see it come back that frequently. Um, so for, go ahead. 
Sorry to interrupt. I was going to say the reason I asked is because a client this morning showed me her new water bottle. And normally I will encourage people to drink out of glass or ceramic yeah. or stainless steel. Like that's my thing. I know it's a lot of people's thing, but she, there's a new trend here of this new water in Alberta that comes in an aluminium bottle. And I was like, well, hold on, let me think about that. I was like, I don't know if that would be reusable. And she turned it around and on the back it said like BPA, reusable. And I, I said, okay, well, you, she only bought it today. So I don't see any harm in drinking the water that's in it today. Although I will say you buy it like that full of water. So that has me thinking, how long is that water sitting in that? Right. But I, I said to her, I'm, I'm just like, drink it, but let me consider the whole aluminum reusable thing. So I'm, that just popped up. Now we, I can get your opinion. Would you say- I'm with it? you. No, I, I would get rid of that. Yeah, I, like I, I hate I to like break people's- Yeah, I hate to break people's hearts with this- is a thing now it's on the shelves in Alberta yeah. and it says on the back reusable if it was stainless steel okay right but there is um here we have a kombucha in Alberta and the cap is aluminium and after a while the cap will start to go black and it'll leave a black mark around your mouth if you reuse that bottle because that toxin is coming off onto the top of it then you put your mouth on it and then your lips have black and but yeah people don't notice there's a lot of marketing for health stuff so it's not healthy like, right yeah the, that that i think that's the part that kind of makes me gets me the most upset is a lot of people are doing their best right you're buying something that you think is good for you and it's just you know, more money, more power for the people that kind of control the politicians. And it, it's really kind of, to me, infuriating that there. that's why I've written again my books is because there is so much of this stuff that's thrown at us, as, thrown at us as like healthy and it's not. And I feel bad for people because, you know, that's what most people are getting their information from is, is the news or companies that are making tons of money off of this. So there's not like, you know, you have to really do the the work or work with someone like you that that does the digging that can help you filter out like, hey, is this just another marketing scam? Somebody else getting rich off of me? Um, it's really, I, I it really kind of makes me mad that um, you know we're being exposed to all of that, um, and is, most of the time they're being dishonest. And it is marketing because I've always said specific colors make people think something is clean or healthy you've got blues whites greens yellows oh look these are healthy colors if that's a thing but it is so this bottle is like blue which transitions into white it's very appealing this right. looks like a clean bottle this couldn't be bad for me all the like that's where the trickery is it annoys me too because i feel bad that she spent the money but I can't let it slide. I have to tell yeah, her. Yeah, you have to. I, th so, I, th I mean, I'm, I'm like you where I've always been very blunt. Um, I always kind of thought it came from my Eastern European parents. Um, maybe. But <laughs> I, I, I've always kind of told it how it is. And some, you know, I, I usually, I don't really care if I'm offending uh, the person I'm working with, if they're taking it personally. Like at the end of the day, like they're working with me to try to get better. So um, I'm, I always try to be as honest as I can be, whether I think it's going to hurt someone's feelings or not. Um, so I, I agree with you. If you see something like that, then that's your job, right. To, to help people filter that stuff out because, you know, I, I look back at growing up in, in being a first generation American and so badly wanting to fit in. And I just got sucked into all the marketing. It's, yeah. it's, it's and that's all it is. Yeah. One of the, I think a crazy one is Lunchables. I don't know if you remember yeah, we that. Have them. Still, yeah, I think they're still out. And it's like, I read this, I forget, it was some kind of health book, but talked about how genius the marketing was behind Lunchables because it was like convincing three-year-olds and four-year-olds that like, you're going to be a big boy or a big girl and you can make your own lunch. And it's like, it's sick. Like they're, they're, they're getting at little children to, to market like, to, and I was convinced I like wanted, my parents were trying to give me healthy, real food. And I'm like, please give me Lunchables. So I'm like 
cool like the rest of the kids yeah. um, but then and, you look at it and and parents are like oh well that's cheese that's healthy that's that's barely cheese and cheese. this is ham they're getting their protein it's like it's 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 like as well the whole <laughs> lucky charms thing just because you eat lucky charms doesn't mean you're going to find a pot of gold or become <laughs> irish like you're not it's 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 everywhere it's it's it is laughable though is yeah, like yeah. come on but i mean i suppose if it wasn't like that I mean you wouldn't have a job so. right, right. but so what we've established so far is that our hormones are impacted by everything mm -hmm. sleep stress everything but the one overlooked thing that is relevant in your book is toxins yeah. will directly impact our hormones on pretty much every level. Absolutely. Uh, hormone imbalances, I'm finding them in just about everybody. And like I said, I had low testosterone. When I started digging, I found really high levels of lead. And there was no reason for me to have high levels of lead besides being alive in 2022. Like, it, yeah, you know, that's just everywhere. So um, I think it's an area that that is not like I I like I like I like that you like to keep things simple that's what I like to do so my books are very very like simple easy to read um I think we sometimes make it too complicated um but I really try to get the information out there of you know what tests to ask your doctor for like you know if it's not low thyroid is it just estrogen dominance or is it cortisol so all that stuff is explained and kind of the last part of what we're talking about the last chapter is uh all the stuff you can do around your house so what kind of cookware to use what kind of sunscreen to use how to figure out what is your cleaning products what to use in your garden so all that stuff is kind of uh, gone over in the last chapter of like how to just clean up your day-to-day -day environment um but at the end of the day, I also think that the biggest thing that people are missing besides the toxin component is the stress component. Yeah. And when you're, you know, when your cortisol is raging through the roof morning to night, you're not restoring at night, you know, and, and really with this constant onslaught that we're getting from eating, breathing, drinking, we really need good sleep and rest to, to restore our liver, to restore our gut, to get ready for the next day. And uh, so I always just to me, that's always the, whether we're talking about gut health or detox or balancing your hormones at the end of the day, to me, the most important part of all of it is your mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Mm. So if I don't ask this, my clients will forsake in me. So okay. I have to ask as we start to wrap up. So toxins are going to affect your hormones, but that's going to affect your sex hormones and thus your libido and your desire to even want to be intimate. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Low libido is a big thing I see now. And it, it, it would be helpful if you would reinforce what I say. I say, well, look, if you're stressed all day, you're just burnt out. The last thing you're going to have or want to do is be intimate or have any sort of libido at all. For me, the way I approach it with my patients is there's two things that it's going to be, you know, for, for, a man, it's either going to be low testosterone or high cortisol, right? That it's going to be a low testosterone problem or a cortisol problem. For women, it's going to be an estrogen progesterone imbalance or cortisol. Everybody wants to start. Let's use just a, a man, for example, with testosterone. Well, if you just put me on testosterone, my sex drive is going to go through the roof. I can't tell you how many men I've seen go on testosterone and it doesn't help their sex drive. And there's only one reason for that. It's cortisol. Yeah. Right. Stress. Same with a woman that, that we, when we get their estrogen progesterone balanced, I can't tell you how many women I've seen where they're like, my sex drive is, is amazing. Now it's back to normal or the man that it's like, Hey, like I just had a guy uh, yesterday, the day before in his fifties or sixties that was low T. And I think he had a very high functioning, stressful job. And I was like, Let's try the testosterone. If that's not working, there's going to be one answer left for you. We followed up. He's been on testosterone for only a month and his sex drive is back to normal. Um, so stress is not an issue. And he had been telling me that, that stress was not that big of a problem. 
I never believe anybody when they tell me that. So mm. he proved me wrong, which is great. I love that. Yeah. Um, but usually to me with libido, yeah, that that's usually, if it's not a, a, a reproductive hormone imbalance, usually it's a cortisol imbalance, which is the worst kind to have because that takes the real deep down work to figure out the why. So can I give you a scenario before we finish and just get sure. some feedback? So for a woman whose nutrition is on point, her body uh -huh. weight is perfect, blood sugars are great, her menstrual cycle is good. Mm -hmm. She doesn't sleep great the majority of the time because she's a toddler who comes in and out. But when the toddler sleeps, she sleeps. So it's kind of like not even 50-50, like 60-40 or something. So she's probably awake more than asleep but she has a lot of stress like husband works away dealing with the toddler by herself working too now they're looking at moving um so in that sense where she's this is such a hard scenario even where you would say well it's stress but what can you do about stress at that stage like what kind of advice would you give to someone like that but I've recommended every patient I've ever worked with to work with a therapist while they're working with me and having someone that's trained in mental health to run that, by, you know, all those issues by, because, you know, that, that sounds like a lot, but that's a lot of people are dealing with a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. And, um, it goes deep. Like a lot of times it goes back to figuring out what happened when you were a kid. And, and it, you know, the way it was described to me when I was going through treatment is like peeling back the layers of the onions. I mean, the obvious stuff of like, oh my God, we're going to move. There's a toddler. You're not working out. I mean, there's that stuff is easy, but there it's usually goes deeper than that. So I really like working with a therapist to get under, get into the, you know, what started all of this. Um, and starting, you know, um, figuring out what meditation practice works, what's the right exercise regimen. Um, and, you know, with that, I mean, it also involves the couple together because it's not just the woman, right? The the man is playing a role in why the sex drive is, is low too. So yeah. it really takes a, you know, a commitment from the couple as a team, I think, to really work together. And, you know, there, there's, some supplements you can use, but I, I personally hate using supplements for that kind of stuff. Cause it's like, that's a band-aid approach. You're, mm -hmm. you're taking a supplement for libido is not going to make a huge difference if you don't actually deal with what's going on with your husband and, and with stress and all of that. So it's not an easy thing, but it's, a, it's an everyday, you know, that that's the kind of stories I hear every day. And, and I do see people um, I've just seen it over and over, over the years of to me, all the functional medicine stuff is easy. Like I can test you for heavy metals. I can test you for mold and glyphosate and dysbiosis and SIBO and all these things. It's easy to treat, in my opinion. The only thing that gets in the way is the mental, emotional, spiritual part, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and that's the part that, you know, a lot of people just don't want to deal with. And, and uh, that's where I'm pretty blunt. I'm like, you know, you could keep following the perfect diet and, and taking 10 supplements a day, but I, I really don't think you're going to get anywhere with your health. Yeah. Yeah. That is some great advice. That is the whole mindset. Are you emotionally ready? Like the whole sort of stuff. So um, the last thing I only noticed when you turned your head, there's a bear behind you, which <laughs> is holding your books, which my people will love because Alberta's full of bears, of course. I was like, what is that balancing on? So it's a bear. So yeah. I, I, <laughs> I need That's to That's Wilson the bear. <laughs> so I need to ask. We... Uh, where did you come up with the names? They're quite entertaining, the names of your books. Like, why why did you do that and not some generic, boring, fix your hormones with <laughs> detox kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so the bear, we, we live half the more than half the time in Montana when the pandemic started. So we're actually in Bozeman and we split time between Bozeman and Chicago. Okay. So that that's where the bear came from. We got really into bears living here. Yeah. Um, so Wilson, he's holding both my books. Um, the name, uh, 
I, am I allowed to cuss or no? Oh yeah, we're, okay. we're Irish. Yeah. <laughs> so a friend of mine, when I was writing my book, he came up with unfuck your gut, which there's a lot of books that use the F word now. And yeah. you know, there's a few really famous ones mm. and my publisher kind of talked me out of it. She was like, you're writing a health book. So I, I don't think you should use that word. And so then I really liked the title. I was really sad to get rid of it. And this is with the first book. Um, mm. And I used to have a saying in my practice that we had even t-shirts that said, we put the funk in functional medicine. <laughs> so both books yeah. are, it's unfunk your gut and get the funk out. It's F-U-N-C for, yeah. so funk for functional medicine. Yeah. So yeah. I took a title that my friend gave me that I really liked and made it more appropriate. And it kind of worked with the funk and functional medicine. Um, and get the funk out. I, I actually came up with that one on my own. I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> I feel like it fits because, you know, it's functional medicine and yeah. a lot, most of us have quite a bit of funk in there. Yeah. So it's like toxins, <laughs> get the funk out. Yeah. <laughs> I had to ask. I was like, that's yeah. right. And no, from the other podcasts I listened to, nobody had asked that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, I think it's a unique title. I, I, I'm happy with it. I'm glad it's appropriate. I, you know, it I also liked... makes it makes it all less serious, even though it's serious, it makes it less serious and more approachable to people. You yeah. don't have to be a doctor. We all know what funk means. I hope we do. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. This has been a pleasure. I know I've kept Thanks. you a little bit longer. So your book comes out in October. It does. Hopefully we can arrange another time to go into the gut stuff. Obviously that's big. Where else can we find you and even look at what you're putting out there in the health world of information, which is huge. <laughs> yeah. So my website's the best way if people have questions for me or want to get a hold of me or want to link to, to get uh, the books is doc-cause.com, D-O-C-K-O-Z.com. Um, dot cause. That's also my Instagram name. I, I'm really bad at social media. I don't. I don't really put a lot out there. Usually, it's more just like fun stuff that I do with my wife or dogs. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I do share all my podcasts and and, and things I do. Um, but I really like. Um, you know, I, I spent my career staying off of social media and just focusing on on learning to be a good doctor and and. Uh, now, once I feel like I had enough experience, I put these books out there. So I think there's more in these books that most people will find on a, their so favorite social media doctor, or whoever there, you know, I really try to put uh, the high yield stuff from a medical perspective from someone that's worked with it for a number of years now. Um, mm -hmm. So that's where I would recommend starting is for sure. And if, if you think you're more gut and diet issues, or you think you're more hormone and toxin, all of us should look at all of it. Um, but my website, it, very easy to get a hold of us through that or social media. Um, the best ways to get a hold of us. Great. I will put the links below. Thank I you. know we can get the unfunk your guts on Amazon here. I'm sure your other one will come on Amazon. Soon. Yeah. Soon. And then I'll have a look at our chapters in Indigo and let people know if they can get it because they're really dare I say they're cool books they're straight to the point they refine it and you're right like not being on social media is a skill in itself you should be <laughs> applauded but the thing with social media and I know this about me too is we keep putting out information but too much confuses people so your yeah. books will refine that so yeah thank you for the books thank mm. you for talking to me and we will hopefully get back together soon to talk about the good stuff Sounds great. All right. Thank you for joining My me. My pleasure. And have a good day. You too.